Hey, good morning, Munchtropolis. It's now 5 after the hour of 6 a.m. in the big monster city. Come on! Let's get pumped! I'm not drinking any fucking below! What can I say? The camera loves me. Shall we After you, Junior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Logged It. Episode number 30. Today, we're talking about movie soundtracks. The soundtracks that warm our soul, make us sing, or... Um, you're if you're twisted, maybe make you cry and think about sad things. I don't know. Music touches us all in different ways. Uh, today we have uh, a bunch of music connoisseurs who know everything from do re mi to wah. So this is going to be pretty intense. Uh, Holtman, you are here with me as always. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I suggested this topic because I actually I I want I don't get to talk about soundtracks enough. And I I there's a lot of I'm like weirdly obsessed with movie soundtracks. Like I think most of my music taste just straight up comes from basically songs I've heard from movies. That's like the majority of songs I like and just stuff I've heard the most. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> you're back. How are you doing? Me? Yeah, you. Pasted. Oh, I'm 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 doing great. Uh, it's very funny. I'm on here considering we have an inside joke between me and Boat and Bar that apparently I hate music, but uh, yep. like Boat, most of my music taste comes from songs I watch in movies. So I'm I'm excited to be here. Uh, Brooklyn, um, you. When I think about music, you are one of the first people that I think of in the community. Tell me, can you watch a song as Payson just said? Uh, uh, yeah, you're going to find out in a little bit. You kind of can. Uh, and Payson, you don't just hate music. You hate Canadians, specifically Canadians. Yes. So Fuck come on. Cam Screw that guy. All right. Interesting. Uh, All right. This is getting saucy already. Uh, sauciest episode of Logged It. Uh, Bar, you are here. Uh, when I think about um, hacks in the community, you are usually <laughs> the person I think of, if not the second. How are you doing tonight, sir? Um, I'm doing okay. Happy to be here. Dope. All right. Uh, we're going to get right into the show. Uh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start off with what we always do, which is we're going to talk about our favorite movie that we logged this week. Payson, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about one that, um, it's been out for a little while, but it finally came over here to, uh, Arizona. It's the worst person in the world. Uh, this is a uh, Norwegian film, I believe, directed by uh, Joachim Trier. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, it is about a um, woman in her late 20s, and she eventually turns 30 throughout the movie. And uh, she's essentially just living her life while also having no idea where her life is going to go. Uh, these are the types of stories I love with just, like, aimless characters just trying to, like, figure out, like, their life goal and their life path. Um, you know, as they're living, um, I, do, I don't have the actress's name in, in front of my in front of my face. Renee Renzi. Thank you so much. I, I don't want to butcher her name. 
Uh, she is my current Best Actress winner. Like, if I were to give the Oscars out, she would be my Best Actress winner. Um, I just think this movie is just so up my alley and just showing, like, yeah, you know, this character doesn't really do, like, she, she doesn't make, like, good decisions in life. But you still can't help but, like, watch her just because, like, yeah, we've all been there at, at this certain point in our lives. There are, like, four scenes in this movie that I'm going to remember um, forever. Um, I just, I absolutely adored every single aspect of this movie. If I were to rank my favorite movies of 2021, probably my number two behind Licorice Pizza. Um, so most of you guys know this, but I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, I, I am a general manager of an AMC theater um, in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Uh, and we, we don't, we don't get a lot of these types of movies. And so I opened my booking sheet yesterday at work and what, lo and behold, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, we're getting the worst person in the world this weekend. Uh, so I do get to see this this weekend in the theater, which I'm very excited about. I've been looking forward to it. Um, I remember seeing the trailer before Spencer and Maggie turned to me and said, that looks pretty good. And then Payson just described it. And under her breath, she muttered, sounds fucking terrible. So who knows? But I, I'm very much looking forward to it. Everything that I've heard about it. It sounds like it's a movie that I'm going to like. Uh, Boatman, have you had a chance to see this yet? I watched it this week. And uh, I was between two films for what I was going to pick for my favorite movie uh, I watched this week. And Payson made my decision easier. Uh, so yeah, no, this, this movie is really neat and it feels very different from, uh, like it's not doing like necessarily any one thing original, but I've never seen the types of like devices this film uses in this type of movie. Like specifically this film is segmented into 12 parts. Like it, it's essentially like 12 chapters, almost like what Tarantino likes to do a lot of time, but it's in a more natural setting, and I think that's really neat. There's one specific scene, I won't say it, but it's the scene on the poster, and that's one of my favorite scenes of the year. Just a beautiful scene, and I just really like this character. I think that's what it comes down to, is I think this main character is fantastic, and yeah. Uh, Brooklyn, have you seen this? Uh, nope, never even heard of it until uh, until Basin brought it up. But um, I'm not sure if I if it'd be up my jam or up my alley. Rather, uh, romance is kind of like kind of like hit and miss with me. But um, but you never know. Okay, and uh, Bar, have you seen this yet? Uh, I live in South Jersey. Uh, there's only one town in the area that has this movie right now, and uh, I have not had time to go to that town. All right, fair enough. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll go next. Um, favorite movie that I logged this week. I always, I, I struggle. Um, uh, okay. Um, no, I'm going to talk about this one. I'm going to bring this up. Um, weirdly enough, another another foreign film. So uh, Denis Villeneuve Incendies uh, has been sitting on my watch list for a long time. Um, finally had the chance to watch it. Um, and I really liked it. It wasn't what I was expecting it to be um, at all. Um, but I really liked the story. And then I was talking to Holtzman about it, um, just mentioning it to that I watched it. And he said that it's based off of a play. 
And most of the time when you have those types of movies where like it's a play first and then and then a movie you can you can tell I had no idea um, coming off of uh, watching the movie that this would have been a play beforehand. So I, I really liked it um, as somebody who Villeneuve is, has become one of my favorite directors. He's not my favorite, but he's probably in my top five working right now and overall. So uh, I was glad that I watched it. It's a tough watch, so I don't know if I'll ever really watch it again unless – Maggie wants to become like a Villeneuve completionist than maybe, but um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it again. Not what I was expecting, but really good. Uh, Payson, have you seen this? Uh, I have not. Um, the whole Canadian Canadian bit thing with me is a bit, I do in fact love Denis Villeneuve, but uh, this is one of the, the, the two remaining ones that I have yet to see, but everything I hear about it is incredible. Uh, Bowman. Okay, I think I'm lagging a little bit, uh, so maybe go to the other two people, and I will leave and come back. Sounds good. Not going to help. Um, I I haven't, but the but one of the one of the pluses of uh, of living in Canada is that you get to he- get to hear a lot more from Canadian directors. So whenever uh, Neville Noob was doing like his press junkets for uh, for Dune, uh, he came up a lot on the radio, um, and just getting to hear that getting to hear that you got to hear like how how passionate he is when like. How much, like, very much like Christopher Nolan in terms of like how much re- research he's willing to put into, into this kind of stuff. Um, so it's always kind of, kind of had me, had me excited to check it out. But, yeah. Bar. Haven't seen it. All right, Bowman. Haven't seen it. All right. Uh, let's move over to Bowman. Your favorite movie you log this week. Uh, my favorite movie I love this week is uh, a Ryan Johnson film called The Brothers Bloom. Uh, this is probably out of all of Ryan Johnson's films, this is kind of his forgotten middle child between uh, Brick and Looper. I love this film. I absolutely love this film. This movie is like feels like a marriage of like so many different styles, and I, I really enjoy it. It's kind of like if you mix... The Royal Tenenbaums, Sting, and Knives Out. Like, that's kind of what I feel like. It's, it's, if you kind of those three, like the Sting, Royal Tenenbaums, and Knives Out. Cause it has the kind of quirky narration of like Royal Tenenbaums or a Wes Anderson thing, but not the super, but stylized, but not to the degree of a Wes Anderson. And, you know, the fun con elements of like a The Sting. And the mystery twist and turns, Ryan subverting everything, Ryan Johnson elements of Knives Out. Uh, I absolutely had a blast watching this. Brody, Adrian Brody and Mark Ruffalo are so believable as brothers. Like you'd think they don't look that very much alike, but they feel like they've been brothers their whole lives. They they sell it. Uh, they're they're both fantastic in this. But to me, the standout is Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weisz is absolutely so charming in this and so funny, which is weird because you don't really associate Rachel Weisz with funny, but she's really good at it. Like she's hilarious in this. Um, yeah, this whole movie is just it. Yeah, it, it's just a lot of like long cons and it's it's just all the type of stuff I love in movies. Absolutely fantastic. 
Yeah, I'm kind of shocked. I've never seen this. I like I've heard of it, but I didn't even realize that it was Ryan Johnson. Um, it's got the roughs and Adrian Brody, and I haven't seen it. This is this pissed me off. You know, I'm gonna watch this. Uh, I love Ryan Johnson, so I'm I'm game for this. Uh, Payson. I always used to mistake the Brothers Bloom and the Brothers Grimm. Uh, Brothers Grimm sucks. Yeah, and that's it what does. I mean. uh, I, I have not seen this, but I've heard very good things. And I also really like Brian Johnson. So, yeah. uh, Brooklyn. Um, I mean, The Sting, yes. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums, yes. Knives Out, no. Uh, I don't, I'm not a fan of, fan of Knives Out. Uh, that movie kind of made me think that Ryan Johnson is just in, really in love with his ideas um, and that they don't necessarily stick. Uh, but you have me on Mark Ruffalo. Uh, like he mentioned, like him, like it's it's convincing for him to be like brothers with Amy Brody and whatnot. He just has he has that lovable sort of sort of draw. I think it was Spotlight, the first like the first movie that I saw with him, where it's like, okay, you are actually like an incredible actor and can give these like really well rounded supporting performances. Yeah, uh, Bar, have you seen this? Uh, I remember when the trailer came out saying, I really want to see that, and I've never seen it. There. All right. Uh, Brooklyn, let's go to you next. Uh, favorite movie that you logged this week? All right. This movie kind of came out of left field. It was on AMC on a Thursday afternoon, uh, but Tombstone. Uh, I watched that for the first time. Uh, what a fucking awesome movie. Um, I had always kind of put this off to the wayside because for, for some reason I had always attached it with, um, with Unforgiven. And uh, and like Unforgiven had beaten a few good men uh, the year that year in Oscars, so I'd always been like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to check it out. Um, but then yeah, just randomly randomly came on one day, and I'm like, yeah, let's throw it on. Uh, and fucking like Kurt Russell, <laughs> Sam Elliott are like are great, and Val Kilmer is probably like my favorite performance, and just in, like how much he has to do in it, and how much he kind of has to throw himself into that role. Um, the thing that I love about it too is that like that set like that setup that stage for the town town or whatever. Um, I mentioned it in my review or whatever, but like every paintball park in America is like we're gonna take this and this is gonna be a map in our park. And I hope to God that those same paintball parks uh, give uh, give royalty uh, to to the movie. Um, but just like. It's it it can be almost seen as like really super cheesy, but that's kind of like what makes it awesome. Like the well, like the like the way of this is like choreographed and like how they handle and like how they handle like the, the, some of the deaths in these in this movie. And then even like even when it comes almost down to like a style like a stylized thing, like it's very like kind of like kind of like muted in colors. But then when you have 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 like the violence and the blood, the red like really stands out for some reason. Uh, it's just, it's fucking awesome. I did not expect to love it as much. Yeah. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think on this show. Um, I think it was me that brought it up because I had never seen it before and I watched it and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, I agree. I think Kilmer, um, is probably the best, uh, but I, I love Kurt Russell. I thought he was so good in it. Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Bean. Like, the cast is fucking stacked, um, and they all just do such a good job. Yeah, I, I had a good time watching this as well. Uh, Payson. Yeah, great movie. Not going to make the joke I make every time with this movie, but, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, Val Kilmer is absolutely standout. Um, uh, I think Powers Booth is really fun as the villain. The scene where he's, like, tripping on, like, opiums, it's like, dang, that's drugs. But, yeah. Really, <laughs> uh, Bowman. 
Uh, yeah, no, I like Tombstone. Uh, Val Kilmer is absolutely fantastic in this movie. Like, he, I legitimately think he should have been nominated for an Oscar for this. He's that good. Uh, like, I, I think he steals every second of this movie. And frankly, I think the movie is worse off when he isn't on screen. Bar? I would agree with that, honestly. I've only seen this movie one time. Um, and I like this movie. I, I just happen to not like it as much as everyone else does. Um, I still think it's really good. I think, I think uh, yeah, Val Kilmer is the best part of this, but I also really think that Michael Bean is really, really good and underutilized almost. Uh, so I really like this movie, just not as much as everyone else. That's fair. All right, uh, Bar, we'll stick with you. Your favorite movie along this week. Uh, so I'm going to go with Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood. Uh, this is basically uh, a adaptation of Macbeth. Um, and Toshiro Mifune is just so, so good as the main character in this. Like, just his performance, and I don't remember the name of the woman who plays his wife, but the two of them are so good. Uh, yep, there it is. Um, and it's just, it's really well-paced. It's only 150 minutes, but uh, not 150 minutes, one hour, 50 minutes, but it flies by. And Akira Kurosawa's just the imagery that he presents to you really does enhance the world that it's building, especially that climax when his army actually turns on him and they're just slinging arrows. And the way that these arrows are just zooming by and just impaling the wall and at some points him it's just really impressive it's just really well told really well acted and just looks fantastic um yeah you kirk convinced me earlier this year late last year to watch this one um in one of one of his debates um so it must have been last year yeah he was talking about it and it, it sounded really interesting. The only Kurosawa film I've seen is Seven Samurai. Um, and so I, I just struggle with foreign films in general. But this is one that, like, based on the pitch and everything that I've heard about it, is something that I, I, I'm i really looking forward to watching. Um, so I've actually already decided, like, this is going to be the Kurosawa movie I watch for the video store challenge. Like, I'm ready to go. Um, so I, I, And I didn't realize it was um, only an hour and 50 minutes because... Um, from what I understand, a lot of Kurosawa films are quite long, uh, so that's that's cool. It's a shorter one. It's, it's Seven Samurai really is like the long one. Okay, uh, so no, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, Payson, you did the thing uh, with the Criterion, so you got it. Uh, you like this movie? I do. I I really like this movie. Um, of the five Kurosawa movies I've seen, I think this might be my least favorite. But that's only because I think the others are just absolute masterpieces. But yeah, like Barr said, this is such a great telling of Macbeth. I think Toshiro Mifune is giving like one of the better performances I think I've seen from him, even though he gives incredible performance in every single movie. Um, like Barr said, that stunt where they're shooting the flaming arrows through the wall, like knowing that that like knowing that that was a real stunt. Like, they were not faking that. Like, they were literally shooting flaming arrows, and they just told 
Mufune stand like this far apart, knowing that that is horrifying for him. Like that, like he could have straight up died, but no, like I, I think this is a great, like, even if you're like new to Shakespeare, I think this is a really cool, like way to introduce the story of Macbeth. I think it's a really great, like starting Kurosawa film. I, I really love Throne of Blood. Bowman. I haven't seen it. All right, Brooklyn, have you seen it? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. All right. Uh, then let's move over to our least favorite movies that we logged this week. Uh, I'm going to kick us off. Um, I want to tell you guys a story. Um, it, it, it's, it's a very passionate story that I, I want to share with you guys. So um, back in uh, 2014... Um, like a, a scrappy film crew said, Hey, we're gonna make a movie. Uh, we're gonna make a movie about uh, this king and a mermaid, and uh, and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna cast James Bond, and we're gonna we're gonna cast this up and coming actress. She was she's also shooting the Maze Runner around this time, Kaya Scodelario. Uh, she's up and coming. Uh, we got Pablo Schreiber here. We got fucking Oscar winning uh, William Hurt showing up as as a, as a priest, and uh, we're gonna shoot this movie, and it's gonna come out in spring of 2015. And now it's January of 2022, and the movie's finally come out. It's called <laughs> The King's Daughter, and it's terrible. And uh, so w- when it came out in the theater. The trailers for this movie were so good in the sense that they were so bad. Looked it like was, a fake movie. Looked it like a fake movie. Like a fake movie that I edited on my laptop. It, <laughs> it, looked, it looked like something that Jote would put out as a trailer for a part of the event. It literally was just like, looked so bad, but I was so excited. And then it was only in the theater by us for one week. And the week that it was there, I don't remember what happened, but we just didn't get to go see it. Did we get the baby? I don't think. Really? What? When did we get Bucky? So it might have been right around there. So we didn't get to see it in the theater. Uh, but what I did do is uh, Maggie and I went out to dinner with uh, my sister and my brother-in-law for her birthday. Had a few drinks. We got home and we were like... Let's rent the king's daughter for twenty bucks and watch it, uh, which is what we did. We spent twenty bucks and watched this thing, and uh, it is 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 so bad. It's so bad. Pierce Brosnan is like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing in this movie, uh, but it's just so wild. Nothing works. the The visual effects are terrible. The performances are terrible. It looks ugly. It just like nothing about this thing worked. And I even said to Maggie, it's funny when like movies like this get shelved for so long, uh, like seven years, almost uh, eight years, almost for this one, you think like, well, it's probably just going to end up on VOD somewhere on DVD. They still put this thing in the theaters, which is nuts. It's terrible. Payson, I know you saw it. Did anybody else see it? I remember seeing the poster going, what the fuck is this? And what is Pierce Brosnan doing with that dead animal in his head? Yeah. Would this movie be improved if I sat in a shed first? Yeah. Okay. 
Bowman, have you seen it? No. <laughs> okay, Mason, you're a you're you're a crazy person like me. Talk. Yeah, I I I talked about it a few weeks ago. It's awful. Like everything Tim just said. The only thing I'll bring up again. It's so boring. Like this movie is an hour and thirty minutes. It feels five hours. Just like the plot is just so bare bones. You just keep on seeing Kaya Scaladero. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name. Just, yes, thank you. Just keep on going and be like, oh, what should we do with this mermaid? Can we free her? Shall we keep her? Whatever shall we do? It's it's bad. I just recommend everyone just go and look at the poster and look at Pierce Brosnan's hair. That's that's all that I that you need to know about this movie. There are two indulges I have in my life, fast food and going to see movies in theaters. So that's the only reason I saw this. But yeah. Mason, you saw this in theaters? Yeah, I did. I, I had the ticket. Legoland, with all the movies you see in theaters, Legoland must pay like super well. I got AMC A-list. $20 oh, a that's month. Fair. That's fair. Movies a week. That's fair. All right, Payson, what's Lug? your pick for worst movie of the week? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... This is one of those weeks where I didn't really see anything I didn't like. Um, so I'm just going to go with a three-star movie. Uh, I rewatched The Kingsman. It's fine. It's it's it, it's fun. Like, I think my main just, like, takeaway is, like, yep, I've, I've, I've seen this movie now from Matthew Vaughn. It is in a cool, newer, like, World War One setting. And I think that is fine. I think there is like one good segment where like you straight up go to no man's land and it's like, oh shit, this is a straight up like different movie. Um, there's one awful segment that I really don't like that feels like it's in a completely different movie for the wrong reasons. And I won't spoil that, but it is terrible. And I'm very happy that a certain character was not in it throughout the remainder of the movie. But like, yeah, it's it's fun. I I, I I don't like saying like it's it's bad per se because I, I would give it a positive rating, but yeah, it's fine. Um is the is the scene you're talking about involving a leg, Payson? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So I saw this in the theater uh the night it came out and it 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 had been pushed so many times that I was just like, just let me fucking watch the movie yeah. already. And I remember thinking the first bit was decent. And then, again, not to spoil anything, um, actually, this movie did become eligible in fandom today. I just am making the post tomorrow. I'm making the post tomorrow because there were like 80 other posts today. But um, I'm going to rewatch it. But yeah, when we there's a moment, probably 40 minutes into the movie, I would say roughly. And... I just wasn't vibing with this character and then this thing happened that Payson's alluding to and the action sequence that follows it is like fine but there's a moment that I I vividly remember sitting in the theater and thinking to myself like I honestly might walk out like that's how mad I was because I just thought it was so poorly done and it was Matthew Vaughn sitting there being like, look at me, I'm Matthew Vaughn. <laughs> and I just, I was not into it. That being said, the No Man's Land sequence, like you're talking about, genuinely shocked me. Genuinely surprised me. And it made me interested for the second half of the movie, where I think the movie is a lot better. I also gave it a three star. It just sucks because the movie's two hours and like 15 minutes. And the first 
45 minutes to an hour is just really disappointing. Uh, it does pick up, but it's just not. Uh, uh. So, uh, Bowman, I know you watched this this week. I saw you log it. What do you think about it? See, I had the same rating as both of you. I feel like I enjoyed it more than both of you, but I think I, I agree. I think the movie's a major mixed bag, but it's weird. I feel like we both enjoyed different aspects of the movie. Like, specifically, the, I, I'll say it, Rasputin. He's in the trailers. That's not a spoiler. Yeah. Rasputin. I think it's the most fun part of the movie, and he should have been villain. I I think I think Rasputin absolutely fits the tone, like the tone of like the sort of like straight face goofiness that uh, Vaughn was going for. I think the one thing that would have given the movie five stars for me if when Rasputin entered that hall, it, they would have started with there was a cat. That was really God. Ra ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian Everything. Imagine. Would have been would have been perfect. Chef's kiss. No, no. Look, this movie. I get it. People hate this movie. That's fair. People love this movie. That's fair. I like all the history nerd crap in this. I think that's some of the most fun stuff. It's like the the. Stuff behind the the curtain, I think, is really fun. I almost wish that would have been like more of a main focus of the movie, though it is a little bit. I don't know. I I I'm still on board for a sequel. Is where I feel. Yeah, yeah. That's the weird thing about this series is ever like I love the first one, and everyone since then I've been disappointed by, but I still want more. It's a weird franchise in that way, where like I'm still looking forward to the next one. Despite not loving it, uh, Brooklyn, did you get a chance to see this one? Uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it, it, I came up one day, and then I was going to watch it, but my dad was like, "Hey, you want to check out uh, the What We Do in the Shadows TV series?" Uh, and ended up picking that. But Bowman uh, had the has that song stuck in my head, and now I want to talk about Boney M and the, and how great of a disco band they are. It's fair. Uh, Bar, did you see it? I did. And I only make decisions when my stomach is full or my balls are empty. Uh, Rasputin is the best part of this movie. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I'm like, not saying the character overall is bad. There's a specific scene. <laughs> That's the best scene of the movie. Oh, my God. It is the best scene of the movie. Is your favorite scene in the Golden Circle the fucking fingering scene? Like, what the shit? Yeah, those two scenes are not at all completely different. They're not. They're not equivalent. Disagree, but okay. Here's the thing. I, I also... Jason, if you think someone fixing a leg and getting fingered is the same thing, I'm concerned for you. Okay. All right, okay. let's move on. I'm in danger. Well, I just really want to say real quick, I also gave this movie three stars. Here's my problem. It... It feels like the studio went, hey, look, Golden Circle didn't do that great. Let's tone down the the kind of silliness and the, the stylistic kind of angle that you go with. And that just kind of kills what the entire franchise is about. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. Um, okay, uh, Boatman, let's move over to you. Your least favorite movie along this week. Uh, yeah, uh, I watched uh, a movie that I, I, don't, I don't watch anything awful. I watched one film that was weird and not in a good way. 
the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus is a confusing film. And I don't just mean it's confusing in, like, the Terry Gilliam, oh, this is trying to be weird. I don't just mean that. I mean in the sense of the decisions made here because it's a remarkably inconsistent film in basically every aspect, right? Like, anything that is good in the movie is also bad at one point in the movie. Like, there is, I, there is no element of this movie that is consistently good. Everything is pretty much, like, off-kilter. Like, sometimes the visuals are beautiful and really fascinating, and sometimes they look like Shark Boy and Lava Girl. The, yeah. the performances, sometimes, sometimes, like, same performance. Christopher Plummer can sometimes be really good. And other times he's pretending to be he's pretending to be drunk and it doesn't work. Like the honestly, the only performance that I think is consistent all the way through is Andrew Garfield. He's the only one who I consistently like throughout the whole movie. I think hey, Tom Waits. Also say Tom Waits, I think, was consistently good. Everything else about this movie is just so off balance. Um yeah, it's it's a fascinating film. Like, I didn't hate myself for watching it or anything. I kept me... It kept me watching. But, yeah, it's, it's not what I necessarily recommend either. Yeah, I remember seeing this, like, a long time ago. around Probably around the time it came out. Um, just because it was Heath Ledger's final performance. And it was coming off The Dark Knight. And so it was just kind of like, ooh, weird movie. I'm a teenager and I want to see something weird. And Heath Ledger and, you know, and Johnny Depp, I think, is in it, isn't he? Boatman, or am I crazy? Heath Ledger looks more like Johnny Depp in this movie than Johnny Depp looks in this movie. <laughs> like, Johnny Depp's in this movie, and Heath Ledger looks more like Johnny Depp in this movie than Johnny Depp does. Yeah, I just, I remember thinking it was weird and not for me. I haven't seen it since. Um, I probably won't. So, yeah. Payson, have you seen it? Uh, I have not. I know all the stories about it being Ledger's final performance. Uh, this, honestly, like, the messiness of it intrigues me more just mainly because I tend to like movies that I admit are messy but, like, are trying a lot of weird things. So it is one that I do want to check out. All right. Uh, Brooklyn. Uh, I'm not sure if I if I need to check this out. There's a lot. There's a lot more other bigger movies that I feel like I need to see first uh, before I get to this. But it'll be fun to check out. Brooklyn, with all the movies you haven't watched yet, if you would just like pop this on tonight because I brought it up as the worst movie I watched this week, I'd be pretty insulted. <laughs> Bar, have you seen it? I have actually, um, and I think everything that Boatman said is. A hundred percent accurate. Even though I would actually argue that Garfield is like seventy-five percent in this movie. That's, That's actually fair. I like third act. He gets a little weird. Yeah, um, it's a movie that has great ideas, but it just can't capitalize on them. Uh, and what Bowman said about the like the animation, like the computer animation, and then this is a hundred percent accurate. Like some of this stuff looks like it's from two thousand four. It looks like a McDonald's video game. It really like, does. 
All right. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, Brooklyn, your least favorite movie along this week. Um, all right, so we go from nine. Jeez, I was so I was doing like my doing a Planet of the Apes watch, and I went from Ape from the Planet of the Apes. It was a great movie. had a great had a great ending. You know, uh, Zira throws Zira throws her child off of the off of the boat. Cornelius is Cornelius was shot dead, and it has that cliffhanger moment. And then you move on to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and it's like much later and like they if that kid like that kid has now grown up and it's just not interesting um and i think it was just the just the descent of from escape to that and they and i think that's my like one of my general gripes with science fiction movies especially like and like the alien does does it as well too where like each one is like oh it's five years in the future it's 10 years in the future this is one of the, this would have been the one where it's like no this you could pick this up from the next day and kind of have it, kind of have it be like set up that story there, but as opposed to it, like what they what what they've been doing a lot and what 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 they've been doing a lot up until then was kind of using that time to like have like these weird sort of like exposition scenes and like like almost like a montage of like here had here's here's what you need to cap, catch up on until we get to the actual movie. It's like just make that an actual part of the movie um and then you get to like the then you get to the end of this because i was kind of like when i woke back up and like oh yeah this is still happening um and it, it's like they have that weird sort of like chant and it's like eight like ape hurts eight uh or something or something along something along those lines and it's just it doesn't like it's i, I understand why because it's what they were kind of doing with science fiction um but it's like that and then there was also like i remember there was like there was a lot of like a lot of tropes that they were doing in the seventies, where they have like that big sort of like shot over the cliffs, and like, a lot of movies that find in that time which were doing that. It's just, you know, Planet of the Apes is awesome for kind of being being on its own and telling an interesting story. Don't like don't follow the beat. Don't follow the beat path necessarily. All right, uh, I like this movie a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I'm a big fan. This is probably my second favorite out of the original series of movies um the first one being my favorite uh i don't know why but i really like the story um uh i think there's a reason why they took so much inspiration from it when they were making rise um i think it's just a cool story and a cool idea and obviously the ideas there were taken uh like they talk about it in the original the first three movies um, but I, I honestly, I think all of the original apes movies at a certain point are boring movies. If you don't, if, if you're looking for action heavy stuff, um, like rise and dawn, especially like have a lot of like action in them and that kind of, uh, I think changes a lot of our perceptions going back to these ones. So anytime somebody tells me they don't like this movie, I get it. Um, I just think like out of all of the original apes movies that aren't really like action, but are more like honestly kind of like hoity toity sci-fi 70s cinema. I'll, I'll, I take this one over most of the other ones. Um, I really like the ending, the speech, the Caesar speech at the end, even though it's re-edited and redubbed and all that shit. Uh, the theatrical version or the original version, there's like an unrated director's cut that's on the Blu-ray. Um, 
that has a better ending. It's a little more brutal and crazy. Um, but it kind of also like betrays Caesar's character. So like it makes sense why they changed it. But I don't know. I, I like this one, but again, I understand like Brooklyn saying he, he didn't like it. Totally understand. It makes sense. Um as long as you didn't say that like it was worse than like battle or beneath, then we're golden. Uh Payson, have you seen this? Uh I have not. I've only seen the original and three prequels. I haven't done apes deep dive because I'm not a fan of players, so yeah. Okay. Uh Bowman. No, uh this I I think this one is one of the not bad ones of the original eight series. Like I, I I think the odd numbered apes movies are alright, wait, no, this is even never mind. That's extracts what I just said from the record. I think that the this one, Escape, and the original are all good. And I think Battle and Beneath are bad. Uh I think this one is getting on a lot of really neat ideas that are expanded on later. So I get that argument of this movie is a little bit pointless now because we have the better version of it with Rise. Yeah. But I think this one's watchable. Like that that's the thing. At the end of the day, this I don't have an awful time watching this. It's under 90 minutes too. Yeah. Uh let's go to bar. Nope, I haven't seen it. All right. Bar, your least favorite movie along this week. This one's a little tough because there's three possible ways I could go with this. Um, uh, I'm going to go with Interstellar. I'm going to go with Interstellar. I, I think that that movie is good. I think that it takes a couple turns that I don't think work. Um, and it's another one of those moments where it's Christopher Nolan basically shouting in my face how much smarter he is than I am. Um, and I, it's just, it's not bad. It's just got a lot of elements that I just really didn't care for. It looks great. The, the special effects are incredibly impressive. Story-wise, like, there are two characters that are just completely pointless to the plot. Now, I don't know why they're there. Uh, so, not bad, but just, like, not great. Uh, <laughs> okay, I gotta be careful here. Um, because for some reason, people are in this community are, are triggered uh, if you like a Christopher Nolan movie. So I want to be clear here. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, well, let, let's let's call it a spade of spades. If you like a Christopher Nolan movie, in the same way that now, kind of with Villeneuve, if you like a movie of his, uh, you, it's automatically like you're a, a blind fanboy. You can't see the flaws in the in him yelling Murph. <laughs> I'm just saying I really like this movie. I do not consider myself a Nolan fanboy. Do I like more of his movies than not? Yes. Uh, but I don't like beyond the prestige of the Dark Knight and Batman Begins, there's none that I'm like 
oh my god, I fucking love this so much. But I do really like this movie. Um, even beyond the theatrical experience, which is a complaint that I heard a lot, was like, oh, well, if you don't see it in the theater, if you just watch it at home, it doesn't have the same effect as it did in the theater. I disagree. Um, I have a big-ass TV, and I have the 4K Blu-ray of this, and I think it's fucking awesome. Um, I just really like the look of the movie. Do I think it's it's... It is probably about 20 to 30 minutes too long. Way too long. Um, but I, and, and most of that comes from the setup, but I like the setup. Um, I even like Matt Damon in the movie. I think his part of the movie is really good. Um, I, I like the weird mind fuck uh, stuff that we get towards the end. Um, is it like contrived and over the top? Yeah, but like... I'm into it. I think it's fun. Um, I think McConaughey's really good. Honestly, the worst part of the movie for me is Anne Hathaway, but I, I've said it uh, many times. I'm not the biggest Anne Hathaway fan in general, uh, so that's whatever. Uh, but I do think her like whole love, love is the thing that'll get us through space and time. Like it, it's really oh, dialogue over, in this. It, it's over the top and it's really <laughs> stupid. But the overall spectacle of the movie like i remember being so ready for dawn of the planet of the apes to win visual effects that year and then this movie came out and i was like fuck like damn it (laughs) it it looks so good so i'm a i'm a big fan of this one um yeah payson yeah uh i was talking earlier how i like uh admittedly messy movies that try a lot of things uh, this is one of those movies. Um, yeah, this is not one of my absolute favorite Nolan movies. I totally recognize that it has flaws, but I enjoy it. Um, I love just the grand scale of it. Like, this movie, like, a lot of movies feel big, but, like, then you have those, these types of movies that just, like, wow, this is just huge. Like, when they get on that planet that is just all water, like, you feel oh, it. Like, it's, like, it's just endless and it's nothing but just wetness. And it's like, holy shit, this is... Um, <laughs> I never want to hear Pacey say that again. Okay. Nothing, um, nothing but vast amounts of wetness. <laughs> wetness as far as the eye can see. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think McConaughey is great in this. Like, I think when he is watching the tapes of Murph growing up, I think you could argue that could be McConaughey's like best acting moment like i i said what i said i think that scene is incredible um and then yeah like zimmer's score in this movie i think is excellent um the one major complaint i will say the sound mixing it is way too loud like this movie is just like at least when i saw it in an imax theater maybe it was just how loud like maybe it was just something wrong with the theater but like this in tenant it was like there's something that no it, it, yeah. It's how he mixes the movie. It, Fair, yeah, and I, I just don't think I'm a big fan of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I do really enjoy it. I, I think you bring up a great, a lot of great points, Tim. About there's some people in this community where you say something nice about a Nolan movie, and they'll immediately jump down your throat. So go ahead and jump down my throat. I really like this movie. Um. <laughs> Damn it! Okay, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I will say this: uh, the only thing I have—there's no way you mean that. The only, the only, <laughs> I have, 
the only issue I have with anything Payson said was when he said that was McConaughey's uh, best acting. You clearly haven't seen a commercial for Wild Turkey Whiskey. Um, that's where it is. Uh, Boatman, Interstellar. You know, I think the worst thing about Interstellar is the discourse around Interstellar. And I mean that on both ends. I mean that on both ends. I think that the discourse around this movie is more obnoxious than anything in this movie. I think there are things that are not good about this movie. But you know what? Everyone acts like this is just like a completely like, oh, so like obnoxious and pretentious and, you know, humorless. But it's, can we not forget Tars? Tars is like, Tars is awesome. What, like one of the most like likable side characters in a movie, like Tars is great. Uh, may, okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like it's a very light uh, in a Nolan movie. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, I I think Tars is super likable. I think all the performances are good. I don't think there's anyone who's giving a bad performance. I think there is Nolan. I don't even want to say Nolan because I don't think a lot of his other films have, but it's. There are exposition dumps that feel unnatural. I'll give that. I'll give this movie that. There's, uh, it's probably Nolan's worst dialogue, but I don't think it's bad. Uh, Brooklyn. All right. First thing, the best Matthew McConaughey acting scene is as follows. Hey, Andrew, do you want to smoke? You'd be a lot cooler if you did. Um, okay, that's fine. Um, the second, the second thing. I saw this in theaters in shitty Charlottetown, like Cineplex theaters without IMAX or like the beautiful 4K. And I was blown away then. So like, I can't wait to like see this again in like the super pristine, like 4K, 4K this. Also, Andrew, what time is this? Uh, like, go, go, go to bed, buddy. Teeth jammies, you get one episode of Tailspin, and then no. You don't get to, like, like obviously, like, where are they going to go after Matthew McConaughey falls in the black hole? Because, like, he had done so much research into, like, making sure it all makes sense. He's not going to give, like, this big information dump about, oh, this is what happened. This is what we think might happen with black holes. They're going to they're gonna set up for the cheesy love is the answer. Love is the answer, oh, Andrew. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to be no. one of those people who are like, but the scientific accuracy of this film. No, it, that is that is awesome. But like, but yeah, when you get to the end of it, and it's just like, I almost don't want, I don't want like that much to like sit on after this. I you almost need that little upbringing of like, oh yeah, love is going to fix all of this and make all of this make sense. If the dialogue was better, maybe it would have worked for me. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, guys, we're going to move on to the main part of the show. We're going to be talking about our uh, movie soundtrack list. Uh, so, Payson, why don't you kick us off? What is your first pick to be on the movie soundtrack list? Yeah, um, just up front, there are so many picks that I think could be made here. A uh, lot of great movie soundtracks out there. I'm going with one from one of my favorite movies, and it's Almost Famous. Um, almost Famous more than, like, I think, obviously, most movies, I think the music just plays into this movie. So, so much is about, like, huge, just, like, not necessarily being, like, a fan of music, but just being, like, a fan of something, like, in general. And I think the music, like, really um, keys into that. Um, I'm just looking at the soundtrack right now. You have America by Paul Simon. You have Sparks by Pete Townsend. You have um, 
you have Every Picture Tells a Story by uh, Rod Stewart and Rod Wood. A um, lot of great music moments. I think the two moments that I think stand out for me most, I think, like everyone, the, the tiny dancer scene on the on the bus, one of the great, like, scenes in movie history. And that, But I think the one that I think, like, I connect with the most is The Wind by Cat Stevens. The scene where Penny is just, like, dancing on the stage and just that song is just so perfect with, like, the vibes of just, like, you know, she's just going through life, and that 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 song just makes you feel like you're going through life. I I love just the '70s might be my favorite like setting for a movie, and I think the music, the way how this movie uses the music to capture that part of the the decade is just incredible. I I love this movie and I love the soundtrack. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan. I saw it for the first time in 2020. It was one of my blind spots. Uh, so I finally watched it. Maggie and I did. Um, we watched the theatrical cut, liked it a lot. I also my Blu-ray also has the bootleg cut, so I will watch that eventually. Uh, but yeah, no, I I really liked it. Um, I, I I talked about this ooh, when, a couple weeks ago. At some point, we brought up Billy Crudup. I like Billy Crudup. I don't know if I'm the only I'm the only person on planet Earth that actually likes Billy Crudup in movies, but. Um, I thought he was good in this. Um, I thought Underdog was pretty good in this as well. And uh, so, yeah, no, I, I like these types of movies. This one worked for me. Um, so, yeah, good pick, uh, Boatman. Oh, fantastic soundtrack. Fantastic soundtrack. I mean, I think Tiny Dancer is, like, one of the best uses of any song in a movie ever. Like, legitimately uh, an incredible way to kind of alleviate the tension from the party uh yeah no the fantastic soundtrack all around uh yeah uh brooklyn you're muted you're muted um yeah i think i might have been a little bit too old when i watched this for the first time i didn't really i didn't watch this until after i joined the joined the community um and it was like because i know this is michael campbell's favorite movie um so I checked it out then, and then I think it might have been just, like, seeing it on various top ten lists of, like, greatest scenes of all time, and the time the actor scene always comes up, and it just, it got put up on such high of a, high of a pedestal, and then when I finally saw it, and then it kind of, it just happens in the, in the middle of it, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool, and then the movie sort of happens, like, with, uh, with Kate Hudson's character, and then Jimmy Fallon comes in uh, during the plane crash, and kind of, like, kills any like any energy that's that's happening um and, and with that um the sound the soundtrack is great um i feel like there's a lot there's a lot like in that in that time frame like we were kind of talking about it earlier days uh days and confused has a has a really good job of just kind of capturing the capturing the tone of, of the music of the music especially uh but yeah uh i think i think to kind of elaborate on boatman's why tiny dancer works so well it's just how long of how long that song takes to kind of get into the pre-course so you'd have that first like minute minute and a half or so of just these regular regular verses and then you get that big bump like the big string like coming down oh how i feel so weak uh but yeah just i mean elton john in general yeah bar i really like this soundtrack I need to watch this movie again because I've, I've seen it one time and I liked it. I think it's really good. I don't understand the love for the tiny dancer scene. I just really don't. So great soundtrack. Really good movie. All right. 
Fair enough. All right. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to do a cliche Tim pick and go with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this one was just so like surprising. Like this was during a time where um, I didn't watch movie trailers because I got burned a lot, like in the early 2010s, where um, a lot of movie trailers just like showed like the final shots of the movies and the trailers and like all the big stuff. And specifically, the one that set me off was uh, um, the Avengers Hulk catching Iron Man, like really pissed me off uh, when it was in the trailer. And then I saw the movie and was like, Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, so, um, I didn't watch trailers for a good couple years. And so I didn't know that this movie was going to be like, I didn't know what it was going to be other than that. I knew guardians of the galaxy. So when it injected the music into it and the, just that opening scene where Quill's on Morag and he starts, and he starts doing the dance and then the title card comes up. It's just, it, it's so good. And Come and Get Your Love is, like, such a great song to, like, put in the opening of that. Uh, Cherry Bomb being in there, I love. And then the just even the the dance-off Save the Universe, the ooh, things are gonna get easier. And then you have I Want You Back at the end. Um, there's just, there's so, oh, how can I feel? Hooked on a feeling. Uh, hooked on a feeling. It's so good. I love, I, I think just overall, this is one of the few movie soundtracks that I've actually like bought and listened to because I knew a lot of the songs going into the movie, but then now when I listen to them, it takes me back to the movie and it, it's my second favorite MCU movie. It was my favorite for the, a really, really long time. And, uh, I just I always connect with it because of the music as well. So uh, although I don't know if any sequence in the movie is as good as the uh, uh, opening scene in Guardians 2 with the uh, Mr. Blue Sky and Baby Groot, that that could be the best Guardian scene uh, the because Mr. Blue Sky is a dope fucking song. Uh, but overall, I like the soundtrack better in Guardians 1 than Guardians 2. So uh, Payson. Yeah, I think this soundtrack is great. Um, the way how it it gives context. Not, not only does it have a bunch of retro songs, but it completely gives you context for using those retro songs, I think is excellent. Um, this is the one with Moon Age Daydream as well, right? Uh, I yes. believe so. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that I yeah, that's that that's another one I love. Um like you said, I think the Ooh, child is just such a funny scene. And I love how they use that one. Want you back? Yeah, this is this is such a great soundtrack. Uh, Bowman, I think if we're actually talking like individual songs, I actually prefer the Volume Two soundtrack. But, but if we're talking about the purpose of a soundtrack in the movie, I get yeah, okay. I think that the original Guardian soundtrack is better because I, I think it's different function, right? The purpose of the Guardians soundtrack is that these are songs that have been curated by Peter Quill. That like he 
picked out this set list. This the point of that soundtrack is to reflect the character. He didn't pick the Guardians 2 soundtrack. What we are seeing is a reflection of the tastes of Peter's mom. Same with when we eventually get volume three, that'll be to reflect Yondu. Uh, but Guardians 1, Peter Quill, I think this soundtrack does sum him up as a character. And I think that's what's so brilliant about it is that it is each soundtracks that reflect who he sees himself as, or at least saw himself as. And I think that's really brilliant. And yeah, the Come and Get Your Love sequence is fantastic. Uh, Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I'm in the same I'm the same boat as uh, as Bowman, where uh, I just prefer I prefer Volume Two over uh, soundtrack over Volume One. Um, I know Cody and I have have argued argued a, bu- a bunch about it before. There are great songs, stopping you, um, but uh, but I like the. Yeah, I like the usages that uh, at the use in volume two. Like you're talking about Mr. Mr. Blue Sky. Um, my favorite one though is whenever they use uh, the chain, um, and Peter and Peter's finally like finally like pissed off pissed off and like ready to go after Ego because it goes in that song like listen to the wind blow, watch down comes the night. Um, but then uh, and then it's just like you have the boom and the sort of suspense you get get from that as well. And then like and then even after even after that you have like like Brandy is kind of a is a bigger one in this. Um, also on the Guardian of the Galaxy Volume Two one specifically, there is an extra one. Um, uh, it's called Guardians Inferno, uh, but it's done by a group called the Sneevers, and it's basically this 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 big disco setup. And then partway through. David Hasselhoff comes comes down to getting down and dirty with the Procyon loader, and it's just the right levels of cheese, uh, and it's just it's fucking awesome. But yeah, like these these soundtracks in general, like I remember, I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy got announced, and I'm like, I was like, oh, this is gonna be really cool, and then and the trailer came out, and like they had like ooga 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 shotgun. I was like, oh, we're going that, we're, we're going for that kind of tone, and it was just it just fucking awesome uh bar i don't know which soundtrack i like better um i like them both a lot though uh and if we're specifically talking about the first one you brought up cherry bomb fucking love that song uh the other one that i love that i think is starting to lose steam and i don't know why because it's that guitar is so good but spirit in the sky is just such a great piece of music and it really does set a great tone uh, for the scene that it's in. Um, so, I, yeah, this is a great pick. That a lot of these songs are just like right up my alley. Okay, uh, Boatman, let's go to you. For- yeah, I'm gonna just challenge Bar here a second. Uh, Spirit in the Sky, not used in the film. Uh, it is on the soundtrack, used in the trailer, not actually in the film. Anyway. No, it's not in the film. I'm an anyway. Idiot. Anyway, uh, they, uh, my pick. I think that one of the best uses of a soundtrack is to set for a specific time and place, right? And there are so many great soundtracks that do it. But for me, my favorite. If we're talking specific time and place, it's Small Texas Town in 1976. I'm going with Dazed and Confused. Uh, this is this is a fantastic, fantastic soundtrack. Uh, just absolutely 
reflects kind of clearly this specific town, but kind of all the aspects of the characters, right? Because it, it's very eclectic, but it's eclectic in the sense of it's what all these different facets would be listening to at the time. And I think that's great. I mean, you have so many great songs on here. And pretty much almost all of them, I will always associate with this movie. I mean, Sweet Emotion, uh, Free Ride, uh, you know, um, Why Can't We Be Friends, Low Rider, like just so many of the songs in this movie. I would, I mean, Hurricane, Bob Dylan, that awesome entrance when, uh, Wooderson and uh, Floyd and Mitch are walking into the Emporium. Love that scene. Uh, uh, rock and roll all night. Like Tuesday's Gone, Leonard Skinner. Pretty much every song in this movie I will always associate with that. Just the perfect like 70s rock album. Uh, Brooklyn? Uh, I mean, I think my favorite song that got, got parodied parodied later on is uh is no more mr nice guy whenever uh whatever chris uh just goes just goes to high school and it has him uh, being paddled and it's followed up by uh by mayor west giving him the uh the final one um but yeah no this is pretty cool my uh my ex showed this set to me um and just like the sound like you were right it just it's you're 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 hanging out with with these kids and it's and it's just it's a movie about nothing and it's it's kind of great in that sense um Ah oh, man, now I just want to play the bass riff to uh, to, to sweet sweet emotion. Um, but yeah, uh, bar. Um, I like a majority of the songs on this soundtrack. Uh, I don't love all of them, um, but there are some great songs on here. Rock and roll, Hoochie Coo is that that song is just pretty sweet. And Tush by ZZ Top, great. Um, yeah, I like mo- I like most of these. Good choice. Uh, I I've only seen the movie once, so I don't really know what is in or not in it. Um, but the all the song, most of the songs that you guys have mentioned that I know I like. Um, I just I don't love this movie, uh, so I, I never really go back to it. Um, but a lot of good songs that you guys have named. So yeah, uh, Payson. Yeah, I think this movie is great. And if I'm being honest, I'd say maybe 50% of that greatness comes from how good this soundtrack is. Um, Like we said, I just think that opening scene, just starting with Sweet Emotions by Aerosmith is just such a great way to like, just set the tone for the film. Um, The No More Mr. Nice Guy scene is like kind of hard to watch. And I now get like kind of sad when I think of it, because I just imagine just Ben Affleck just, paddling this guy's you don't want to know what i was about to say just paddling this kid's ass and it just just makes me feel sad um the ending with slow ride is great um it's the only one i don't associate with this movie because it's the first song in guitar hero 3 and i always associate it there um but yeah just uh, paranoid by black sabbath i love um and yeah just great great soundtrack also in guitar hero 3 you're right yeah 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 um okay Brooklyn, we'll go to you. All right, so we're going to go to my obvious pick, and I know this is kind of on the fence, but hear me out. Um, so Fantasia and Fantasia 2000 are movies are, are movies that every person should see. 
Um, you can argue the quality of them in terms of like in terms of like an individual movie and like the story and like the story that they tell. And I'm and I'm fine with I'm fine with you if you I'm fine if you don't like it for that reason. You also have to remember with Fantasia as well, it's 1940s, so that a lot of these so that a lot of the things that they're things that are presenting visually do not hold do not hold up well and are pretty pretty yikes. Um but what I love about this movie and why I think everybody should see it is that it's it peaks peeks behind the curtains of like of what's going what's going on or whatever. Um, one of my favorite things in this community is that like a, a lot of us are are like are kind of like our second home is like like, theme, like we're a bunch of show, like theater kids and like we're kind of into like probably Broadway or like did we're in some form of production. Um, I did that a little bit, but. To be honest with you, my favorite my favorite time spent was underneath stage uh, with with the rest of the band kids because uh, that's what that's when you got to have you got to create so much sound and just like whenever like you have the opening scene of Fantasia and it's him and it's him on the on the conductor stand and it's kind of meant to set up it's kind of meant to like look animated or whatever but then it's him like swiping down with like do 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 and just how they how they kind of visualize every every little section or whatever. Um, and it's just like, cause it, cause they talk, they talk about in a movie how it's, how like, how music and sort of music kind of comes, comes together and where a lot of my love for these, for these come is kind of like similar to, to Looney Tunes and how it's more so the, the music is accent, music, music is really like accenting everything that's like happening as opposed to like now where it's like here's the film and then here's the score to accentuate what what's happening what's happening like in front of you um but then you get into uh they get into later parts like where they were again like they kind of step in with um they have like that sound they have the little sound bar thing in the middle and they're like let's get the like let the clarinet to play and then like the trumpets the trumpets to play and and then the bassoon um and they just explore all these all these different styles and it's what i and it's what i love about it it's it there's so much emotion into it uh because you have to because like at that time that was that was kind of like the draw and was kind of a lot of kind of a lot of the excitement of uh, of animation um especially um i know i know for like fantasia 2000 they kind of they're kind of like why like why is this even why is this even a thing I, I understand it as well. I think it was just a fun thing to kind of like, kind of come back to. And then even when I'm talking about, because they have like James Earl Jones gives uh, gives a thing, and one of this one of the ideas just kind of came off of uh, like a like a silly kind of concept. Like what if what if a, 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 a sorry what if a flamingo had yo-yos? Um, and he just all right, let's let's build music off of that. So you have this frantic sort of like violin work and whatnot, and it's just it's cool. All right. Uh, Bar, what do you think about Fantasia? I mean, there. I'm a pretentious hack, so of course I'm gonna love the music of Fantasia. Um, and Fantasia 2000 even has like Stravinsky and Gershwin, so yeah. Um, but the music of Fantasia is absolutely fantastic, and the the Ave Maria sequence and the Night on Bob Mountain sequence just like fantastic. So of course I'm I'm so pretentious. I hate myself. Uh, I don't hate Fantasia, but I definitely don't love it. Uh, like it, it, it's just not my type of movie. But uh, I think that what they were able to do 
1940 with this type of movie was really cool and really special. Like, I think it's definitely like a, I, I, I think it's like a time capsule cool thing, but it's not something that I will go back to often. Uh, but I, I, I respect it more than I like it. Um, Payson. So it's funny. Um, minus night on bald mountain and the Ave Maria scene. I don't think I've ever seen the original Fantasia, but those two scenes are incredible. So I hope the rest of the movie is as incredible as those. I watched Fantasia 2000 as a kid. Really like that movie. I think some of the scenes are better than others, but uh, but throughout all those scenes, I do think the music is really good. So I think this is a really cool pick. Bowman. Oh uh, yeah, no, I. I think that this is, if we're being objective, probably some of the greatest music of all time. I also don't love Fantasia as a film. I I just think the segments are so inconsistent. There are some really great ones, and they're ones that drag. I think the Ave Maria one is fantastic. Uh, but overall, Fantasia is my favorite. I, I say Fantasia 2000 actually has the better soundtrack. Um, maybe not better sequences, but better soundtrack. I go with that one. Overall, I think if we're honestly talking like classical music soundtracks, I I'd almost like prefer you go like a 2001 a Space Odyssey or an Amadeus. Like those are like top tier classical music soundtracks, or like a Barry Lyndon. Yeah, I think I think I think for me why what what ends up pick, what why I lean towards Fantasia and kind of how it breaks how it breaks it down and it's like let's let's meet the uh, let, let, let's meet the orchestra and whatnot. Yeah, no, that stuff is definitely the most interesting stuff for me about the movie. So. Uh, okay, uh, Bar, your first pick. Oh, obvious Bar first pick is obvious Bar first pick. Uh, I'm going to go with arguably the most impactful soundtrack uh, in the 21st century. That's going to be Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, it's just banger after banger after banger after banger. There's a reason why uh, I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow has become kind of this music, like music staple when it comes to like uh, movies. And it's just T-Bone Burnett did such a great job rearranging some of these songs because they're all they're all classic like folk songs, um, and it, it, just T-Bone Burnett's like choices with these songs are just fantastic. "All Fly Away" sounds incredibly beautiful. Um, the the song that the sirens sing is great. Uh, you even have just like Robert Johnson, uh, like a piece that he did. And not only do they just sound incredibly fantastic, but they really build the world of the uh, the world of the movie. And I could go on just stumbling over myself for a half hour about how great this soundtrack is. But yeah, this is this is a great, great soundtrack. Um. I haven't seen this movie in a really, really long time. I remember not loving it um, when I saw it, but I'm also not the biggest uh, 
Coen Brothers fan in general. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily work for me. But um, I'm sure, again, I saw it such a long time ago that if I, I, I'm willing to give it another chance. So hopefully uh, I might like it a little bit more. So, uh, Payson, I know you're a big Coen Brothers person. Yeah, uh, I am, and I love this soundtrack. Um, if it wasn't picked, this was one of the ones I was thinking about for my second pick. Um, I, I'm a man of constant sorrow, just banger of a song um down to the river to pray like that scene is just weirdly like beautiful in a way even with like the comedic undertone even with like it being so funny with um oh is tim like nelson is delmar when when he's getting baptized it's just um that's great um the scene i don't know the song he does but like when when the clansman is just going off on like some sweet soul music like i remember watching this in high school and i was like is this what is this what rallies were like back in the day? This sounds <laughs> Payson. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that. I, I just, when 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 they meet the sirens, um, the go, go to sleep little pig. I just, I great soundtrack. <laughs> okay, well, my thoughts on overall the soundtrack. Uh, this is a great soundtrack. I'm going to talk about that one thing. Um, yeah, no, like, I, I think, like, the besides Man of Constant Sorrow, which is, of course, just a joy, um, my favorite musical moment in this movie is You Are My Sunshine, right? Like, that is kind of the emotional climax of the movie, really, is not, not the climax, but, like, kind of, it's the big rousing, the mayor is pardoning our heroes, and... I, I think, and everyone is coming together to sing You're My Sunshine. And I think that's a great little moment. I love the mayor dancing a little bit. That's great. Charles Durden. Charles Durden's so good. Charles Durden. Delight. Just a delight of a human being. Uh, yeah. No, uh, really fantastic era appropriate soundtrack that adds like just that touch of not insincerity, but such of self-awareness probably what uh, that really ties the film together uh brooklyn um yeah I, I haven't seen this movie before but uh this soundtrack has come up on a couple of uh couple of shows that i've had to, had to do doing whatnot so uh, i've listened to it a couple times um what i love about i am a man of constant sorrow is that it, it's pretty well uh it's like the best of like Cajun sort of Cajun sort of bluegrass, and it's just like the like the way the way the fiddles the fiddles sound on the mix, and like like where I like where I'm from, it's like because uh, Cajun is a very distant cousin of like Acadian music, which is like super like French sort of French sort of folk, and it's like super upbeat, but they're really good at telling uh, they're good at telling stories. Um, my favorite song in the soundtrack though was probably uh, Oh Death. Uh, it just, just the, uh, just like the emotion that it has, and it kind of cuts. Like I like whenever songs kind of cut everything out of them, um, and it has that just that acapella performance. But yeah, all right, uh, Payson, we're back to you. Your next pick. All right, uh, I'm gonna reel it back in. Uh, I have the poster on my wall. Really want to talk about it. Uh, Goodfellas. Uh, I think some people may know. I think Goodfellas is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, yeah, I. Not one of them. It, it it is my favorite movie of all time, and I just think the way and Scorsese does this in all of his movies. I just think 
the music is a character in its own way. Um, just starting the movie, just the second, like, as far back as I remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Dun, 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 and just going into rags to riches, I think is great. Um, it's it, it sort of lost with all the needle drops, but I think the, and um, and then he kissed me as um, they're walking through the Copacabana. It was just such a great song for that. And then just hearing, like, all the sounds inside of the club is great. Um it, it's hard not to say the best one is the the outro to, to Layla. They, they don't even use, like, the song of Layla that, like, most people know. But, like, that outro is – it might be the best, like, use of licensed music in a movie, in my opinion. Just watching as all the bodies just dump out of the dump truck is just so great. And then just ending on the um, – is it Sid Dish's cover of My Way? Is such just a great like end point for that movie, and yeah, I adore the music in Goodfellas. Yeah, this was gonna be my next pick, so uh, good shit. Um, no, I love this movie. Obviously, I, Scorsese is my favorite director, um, and I think this movie is really great. I rewatched it. I, it. I'm weird with Scorsese in the sense that like I've seen every single Scorsese movie. And there are ones that I've watched so many times. And then there are ones that I love that I just don't rewatch that often. And Goodfellas is one of them where I've only seen it like three or four times. Um, but the thing that like sticks out is the music and like the needle drops are just really, really good. I like the soundtrack a lot in The Departed as well, but I think this one just kind of like, I, I think it just works tonally a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, great pick. Uh, Boatman. Uh, yeah. One of the other kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of Dazing and Fuse is the soundtrack that is meant to span an entire era, right, or series of eras, right? Because we go – from you know uh, Speedo and the the kind of late fifties doo-wop that's going on, all the way to the you know the late seventies uh, with some punk aesthetics with Sid Vicious at the end and uh, just a bunch of it, it, it's really attempting to kind of span this era of Americana through music in the same way that the movie is. And I think that's really fascinating. I mean, so many of these songs, I will always associate with this movie. I mean, I can't hear that cover of Frosty the Snowman without thinking of Goodfellas, right? Like there, this, this is an absolutely fantastic Pitch Perfect soundtrack. Perfect for its film. Love it. Brooklyn. Um, so Goodfellas is just kind of meh for me. Um, I just, uh, I like, I came into Martin Scorsese with the Wolf of Wall Street, and I think just like I fell in love with how rushed that is. And then when I got into got into Goodfellas, I was like, this is cool, but I'm not as I don't like it as much as I thought I was going to. Possibly because of because of the uses of Layla, I actually I hate the outro of Layla, and I'm like I'm, I'm a big Eric Clapton fan. Like his MTV Unplugged album is one of the greatest albums ever. Um, but the soundtrack in general was fucking awesome. Like as much as people give slack for uh, Rolling Stones overuses of Give Me Shelter, it's still a great, still a great song. So well, <laughs> yeah, and you have like uh, 
oh man, it was it comes up after Frosty the Snowman, but it's uh like yeah, Christmas baby, please come home. Like like that's a great song in itself is in itself is awesome. Um, but yeah, the for some reason like the yeah the needle drops don't uh, don't hit for me. Give me shelters in the departed too, isn't it? It's in the departed and Cassandra. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that the first song in The Departed? That's what, like, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure it is. The movie uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure it is. Mm-hmm. Right at the opening. Uh, Bar. I, the more I watch this movie, the more I love it. But for some reason, the soundtrack just doesn't come up for me when I think of, like, the great soundtracks. Like, I feel like I like them better as I'm watching the movie, but if I'm if I'm just thinking of outside of the movie, it just doesn't for some reason it just doesn't stick with me. Okay, uh, I'll go next um, since uh, Payson took my next pick. Uh, I'll go with um, another cliche Tim pick. Um, I was thinking that I could have gone something Disney animated, but then. Brooklyn took Fantasia, so I don't want to like read. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do another Disney, uh, but Disney live action, and I'm gonna do uh, the ultimate Tim feel good movie uh, is 2011's The Muppets. Um, it's my favorite Muppet movie. It is my go to. Tim wants to jump off of a bridge. Somebody put in the Muppets. Uh, this is what this is my feel good movie by boat. Uh, this is a feel-good movie, and I love the music in it so much. I think the score itself is actually really, really top-notch. But the songs are just so good and so funny consistently. The opening uh, song, um, Life's a Happy Song, is is so is so good. There's there's so many good lines. They're like, life's a fillet of fish. Hey, <laughs> yes, it is. Like I, I love shit like that. Um, and there's also really good, like, touching songs that also have the laughs in it, like uh, the Kermit song, uh, Pictures, Pictures in My Head, is really great. And uh, Swedish, Chef is, Swedish Chef is top tier Muppet. I don't give a fuck what anyone Thank says. You. So when they turn to him and he says, birdie, 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 like, I, I just, I love shit like that about the Muppets. Um, and. So, so all, I just think all the music. I, my least favorite song is probably "Me Party," but it's not like it's not a bad song. It's just it's just not my favorite song in the movie. Um, and it has good soundtrack songs too. Like "We Built This City," uh, when they clean the the theater to "We Built This City" is is so much fun and so good. Um, you have Chris Cooper rapping in this movie. <laughs> I'm tax rich, man. Uh, Cause I got more money. And I, the the best line in that whole rap is when he says, "I've got more dollars than Robert has De Niro's." Uh, yes, it's fucking great. Uh, I agree with Spence. I just, I really do think it's a perfect movie. Um, I know a lot of, not a lot of people, but I know a lot of people personally that don't like the Muppets, and that's cool. It's a specific type of like dry humor mixed with like over the top bullshit and it just somehow works and i love the characters there's there's just so many like moments in this movie that make me so happy and the music is a big part of it um i think it was really smart 
that they got Jason Siegel or Jason Siegel wanted to do it and then he came in and did it. And I thought he was so good with the music. And I haven't even talked about Manor Manor Muppet yet. Manor Muppet is fucking great. Um so yeah, I know Bucky. It's a great movie. So uh I'm a big fan. Uh Payson. Uh yeah, I have yet to see this one. Knowing how much this community loves it only makes me want to see it more. So I think I do need to rectify that soon. But I have heard Manor Muppet, and that is a very good song. Uh, Boatman. Yeah, uh, this soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, Life's Happy Song is my personal favorite from the film. I think I think that song is fantastic. But you, like you said, you got a lot of great soundtrack picks in there. Cars by Gary Newman is a great track. And also the weird covers that they do. The two weird covers. Oh, so great. By CeeLo Green performed by Camilla and the Chickens. And the cover of the best cover of Smells Like... You know what? Movies... Movies need to stop trying to cover Smells Like Teen Spirit because one movie did it right and that movie was The Muppets. Yeah. Screw you, man. Screw you, Black Widow. No, The Muppets is the one that got it right. You're ruining one of the greatest songs of all time. No, Jack Black. They fixed it. They fixed it. Uh, another another perfect Swedish chef moment. great show tuny numbers with this perfect hint of irony. It's fantastic soundtrack. Uh Brooklyn. Yeah, this uh, yeah, this this soundtrack is fucking unreal. Like you guys are already talking about it. Um uh, my favorite is uh whenever Paul Simon's mute we are down by the schoolyard hits. I wish I had my fucking ukulele because like I was playing I was playing that riff the other day and it's just such a such a fun, like uplifting, uplifting one. Also the Muppets were able to use We Built This City, considered one of the worst one-hit wonders of the 1980s, and like made like used it contextually for it to make sense and like and then like, kind of like got kind of got the song over. Also, we don't need to be talking, we don't need to be covering as well as like Teen Spirit, because there are better Dave Grohl songs out there. Uh we, we don't have to go, we don't have to go to that well every time kids. Dave Grohl's in the movie too. Yes. I love that you use "Smells Like Teen Spirit" as a way to push Dave Grohl. Like, it's a Kurt Cobain song. If anything, hey, hey, um, bork, 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 um, this is my. I do really love this soundtrack. It's my second favorite Muppet movie soundtrack. Um. But you're right. The highs on this are just so good. Uh, pictures in my head. Life's a happy song, um, and um, Man or Muppet are just like S tier soundtrack songs of the the 2010s. So this this album is just a joy to listen to. Yeah. All right, uh, Boatman, your second pick. All right. So we've talked a lot about soundtracks that are kind of built to reflect their film, right? Jason Confused, Goodfellas. All of those are soundtracks that really are meant to kind of just enhance what you're already seeing in the sense of, yes, this is a 70s film, so we're going to use these as mood setters, really tone setters, right? 
I'm picking a soundtrack that kind of is the opposite, where the soundtrack is kind of not really fitting to the film at all. And I think that is what makes it work. Uh, this, I mean, because this is a soundtrack that has stuff like Pearl Jam, Sugar Ray, New Radicals, uh, Lauren Hill, Incubus, despite the fact that it is an animated comedy from 2007. I'm going with Surf's Up. And I know this is like an ironic, jokey pick. But no, legitimately an incredible soundtrack. And if it wasn't for... No, if it wasn't for a goofy little animated movie, y'all would think this was the greatest sound, one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Legitimately, this is a fantastic soundtrack. Lauren Hill, the in, infamously reclusive Lauren Hill, did a soundtrack for this movie. And this was her first song she had released in over eight years. Like... This this soundtrack is legitimately like it is a commentary on this kind like in the same way Surf's Up is kind of this parody on like the athlete culture of the mid to late two thousands. That's what the soundtrack is kind of trying to be, but it's not trying to be necessarily a parody. It's kind of trying to just put you in that mindset, right? Like there's also Green Day, two Green Day songs on this soundtrack: Holiday and Welcome to Paradise are both on the soundtrack. The Romantics, what I like about you. And look, yes, I did partially pick the soundtrack because it has the greatest song of all time. You Get What You Give by New Radicals. Legitimately my favorite song of all time. And that is the emotional like climax of the movie. I stand by this soundtrack is legitimately great. Um, I haven't seen this movie since it was in theaters. When I saw it, um, so I don't know if this movie is actually good or not. I remember as a kid, well, I was 13 when it came out. So I was, I was a little older, still a kid, but a little older. And I, I remember not loving it then. So I don't think I would like it now. That being said, I, I, I can't speak to the quality of the, the film. Uh, so I don't know if it's actually like bad and like, Boatman has nostalgia goggles on, but, uh, but recognizes that it's a good soundtrack, or if the movie's actually dope and it has a good soundtrack. But all that to be said, based on what he's saying, it sounds like it's a pretty good fucking soundtrack. So, uh, seems like a good pick. Uh, Payson. So here's the thing. I know I like got up and was like doing the whole walkout bit. I was just doing that because I knew the, where the buildup was going. Boatman is right. Like, this soundtrack kind of slaps, as the kids say. Uh, Boat already mentioned everything, like Pearl Jam is awesome. Green Day is awesome. Boat loves uh, You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Want to know why he loves that? Because it's a good song. And that's 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 why this movie is good. I, I think this movie is better than I think you would think, looking at a poster with a surfing penguin, um, as opposed to Happy Feet, which is like Apocalypse Now with penguins. This is just a nice, fun movie, and I think the soundtrack exemplifies that. Uh, Brooklyn. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I kind of initially was like, really? We're talking about Surf's Up? But then I pulled up the soundtrack, um, and then one of the first songs that came up was uh, Incubus's Drive, and that's a great fucking song. Like, one of the coolest fucking guitar, guitar progressions uh, ever. And then you were like also talking about, like, uh, like yeah, like Green, Green Day, uh, the new radicals, you get what you give. Uh, I believe for everybody playing along at home, this is both the second week in a row that he said that uh, you get what you give is his favorite song of all time. And I mentioned the last time on Adventure Movies. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh, no, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and Barb, tell me your album is from the mid two thousands without telling me your album is from the mid two thousands. Um, that's kind of how I feel about half of this soundtrack. Uh, I I like some of the songs in here, um, but I don't know. I think I don't think that this soundtrack is that great. To be completely honest. That's fair. That's why you're here to give us your opinion. Uh, did anybody see Surfs Up Two Wave Mania? What? Because it exists. I didn't of, know that. Of any of the sequels, to not name Electric Boogaloo, like that, like that makes sense for, <laughs> for it to be. Uh, we're gonna go to Brooklyn for his next pick. All right. So I was kind of stewing on what what, what was gonna be my second or third pick. I was thinking I was thinking going like a rom com of like thirteen going on thirty. But then uh, me and a friend were talking. And one of the most heavily curated, uh, like subgenres for soundtracks are extreme sports, in particular, like skater movies. And you think even about like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games and how how great those soundtracks are. And then we come into two thousand and three uh, with a movie called Grind. Uh, Mike Vogel, Adam Brody, uh, Tom Green fucking appears in this, but this is. We just yeah. talked about this a few I weeks ago. Go on, Go on, Brooklyn. This is a fu- this is a fucking awesome movie. I love this movie as a uh, I love this movie as a kid. Uh, it just it it, it 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 encapsulates everything that was happening at the time, like growing up or whatever. You have like boom, uh, boom, pod. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Fever for the Flavor, Hot Action Cop. Uh, you of course had that scene where when they're in the van singing uh, nothing but a good time. Um, one of the underlooked songs that I think a lot of people should check out. Um, I forget if they're if I, I forget if they say if they're in Canada, but it looks like they're in like a Portlandy, Washington sort of area. And that's when they play uh, a song called "Line and Sinker" by Billy Talent. They're a really good Canadian punk rock band. Uh, this is actually off of their first album. And if you really like like Green Day and Foo Fighters, I think you'd really like them. Um, but yeah, this is one of this is one of my favorite uh, favorite skater skater soundtracks, and just like of how 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 nitpicky they get with it of trying to fit that tone. Uh, because you think of like even like earlier skateboarding games at the time, they were going like pretty heavy with Motorhead, but then you get into like. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 and like Underground Underground 2 and you even go into more like Ska and even on those games they were starting to throw on like Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Uh, we we talked about this movie uh, like three <laughs> weeks ago, four weeks ago because Brian brought it up. That's his name. <laughs> um, fucking awesome movie. And I believe what I said on that episode was uh, when I was like 12 this was like my favorite movie ever made like i thought it was like the fucking shit um but i haven't seen it in years so i don't have much to say about it so uh 
Payson, have you seen it since we talked about it? That you were there for that, right? I no, but I just find it funny that this movie that I had no idea existed. Now, within a month, I've had two instances in a in literally the exact same circumstance where the movie has been brought up. So this is just funny. Uh Bowman. Uh, I looked up this soundtrack and it has I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan on it. And if you want a great soundtrack that has I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan on it, uh, there's a much better movie it is attached to. And that's a different 2003 film called Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, Cheaper by the Dozen also having uh, In Too Deep, Sum 41. Uh, We're not talking about Cheaper by the Dozen. I'm just saying it's a better soundtrack, too. Better soundtrack, better movie. Should have picked it. Uh, bar. I yeah, I really like. Out. Yeah, I actually really like Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, the The soundtrack is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, great pick, Boatman. Um, all right, uh, Bar. We're gonna go to you for your final pick. So there's a lot of different uh, soundtracks I have to choose from. Um, there's one that I thought for sure that I was going to go with. But when I think about it, I think there's one soundtrack that just sonically is so good. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, 1972's Superfly. Uh, Curtis Mayfield just absolutely kills every single song in this even the instrumental pieces are just so smooth and rich and textured um it really does fit the world that the movie is trying to portray um and it's just got classic after classic after classic like push a man is just one of the all-time great songs of the 70s um just the instrumentation is so tight with its guitars and its bongos and just the strings just all in the right place. And Curtis Mayfield is one of the greatest singers. I will fight anyone who says otherwise. Um, but even just as a lyricist, the, the songs in this soundtrack are just so vivid in its lyricism. Uh, once again, listen. Just listen to Pusher Man. Like that, the, the the lyrics in that are just so detailed um, that it it's just hard to deny the the quality of this soundtrack. Um, I've never seen it, so I don't have much to say about it. Um, but sounds interesting. So, uh, Payson, uh, I saw the 2018 remake of Superfly. It's <laughs> a thing. Uh, but I have not seen the original, but I've heard it's a great soundtrack. So, yeah. Oh. No. I haven't seen it. All right. Brooklyn? Uh, I haven't seen Superfly, but uh, Pusher Man has come up recently. I know, Andrew, with our and our 500 Stones show. Uh, do they do Pusher Man justice? Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so that's our list. So go over to the uh, Letterboxd uh, logged it page multiplex logged it on letterbox uh to like that list um and all the other lists that we've done all the lists have a link to the show that uh from which we did the list for so you can go back 
check out the show see you put the movie on the list whatnot so uh we're gonna close it out by talking about our movie of the month who here has not talked about the movie of the month we're just brooklyn and bar have did you guys get a chance to watch it did not get a chance okay. i it's one of my favorite movies of all time all so. right so bar take it away the maltese falcon yeah, the Maltese Falcon. I think the first time I saw it, I was expecting something different, but then I saw it again, and like knowing, like, kind of knowing it really did increase my appreciation for the movie. Because what I love about this movie is the way it builds um, things that are going to come up later, like the way that they build up this character of the fat man. And kind of the lore that they surround him with, and then uh, Sydney Greenstreet's like his, his uh, wow, I can't think of the word, but his performance is just so great because he's presenting himself with this classiness, but you know that this that the dirt bag is underneath. Um, the performances are fantastic. I think Humphrey Bogart is great. I don't know what the fuck Coho is talking about. Uh, Peter Lorre is just giving this incredible performance that doesn't get talked about a lot. And I don't remember the name of the one guy. Um, he's um, he's basically the fat man's, like, secondary guy. Uh, oh, it Elisha Cook Jr. That dude was one of the great character actors of his time, and I don't think he gets enough credit. But just the way that the movie ends with the the falcon not even being the real falcon um it got spoiled in the last episode so i feel okay to Wait, say in this full spoilers when we talk about the movie of the month so you're good yeah and just the fact that not only is it this thing that everyone's been like trying to get but the moment that they find out that it's not the real one basically the fat man is just like all right well we're just going to keep searching for it and then you get the classic line of, what is it? The stuff that dreams are made of. It's just the most perfect way to wrap up this film. The imagery is fantastic. It really is what really shaped most film noirs. Um, this, movie is an, this movie is a classic for a good reason. And what would you give it, Bart? I would give it a high four stars. All right. So, what are your favorite um, movies of all time? Four stars. Four stars. Yes. Lay off it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so I don't think the internet can handle this much salt. Geez, that's gonna be it for the Maltese Falcon. That was the last time we're gonna talk about it. Uh, there is a poll up right now for uh, the next movie of the month. Um, for March. I lost my train of thought there for March. Uh, so that poll will end um, on uh, Friday. So you have a few days to go and vote in the poll for what movie you want to see us talk about throughout March. Um, next week, uh, I'm actually not going to be here. I haven't told Boatman that yet, but I'm not going to be here. So Boatman, hey, get ready for that. Uh, and uh, I, I didn't. I also kind of ran this by him. He didn't say no, but I picked a topic. Uh, in honor of the Batman, we're going to talk about remakes next week. So favorite remake. Oh, I thought we were talking about ranks. 
You were talking about what? It's a very specific subgenre of Italian cinema. It is true. Romsk is what we're talking about next. Hello, Gucci, Romsk. One job. Jesus, <laughs> one typo, the whole show. Um, remake, remakes next week, and uh, the rest of the March schedule with the April schedule will be posting very soon. So, uh, for you guys, but if you want to be on remake next week, message myself or Caleb so we can get you in for that. Uh, but otherwise, uh, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you real soon next week for Romsk or whatever we're doing. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening.